always be a part of solution to never the problem and i've stayed with this advice forever so obviously like you'll encounter problems throughout your life okay but don't just look at the problem side of it always be on the part of solving that problem not creating it uh, more so yeah so i will stick to the solution never to the problem hello my name is Lauren Desuza and you're listening to retain the customer retention podcast more and more companies are wanting to focus on retaining customers but what exactly are the powers of customer retention and how are companies using it to keep their customers coming back for more that's what we're here to find out For this episode, it is my pleasure to be joined by CRM expert Ozer Hamid. With over 10 years of experience in CRM and marketing automation, Ozer has expertise in developing lifecycle strategies for B2B and B2C products, managing large budgets and generating return on marketing investment against multi-million dollar spending. Welcome to the show, Ozer. Thanks, Lauren, and happy to be here and I'm happy to meet you again. Yes, lovely to see you again. For those of you listening to the podcast, Azair and I were actually on a panel a couple of weeks back talking about the opportunities in the Middle East and talking about the different areas of expansion for different partners of ours. So it was a really interesting conversation and I'm really excited to take it to a different spin today and talk about you, your background, your expertise and all that you have to share about CRM and marketing automation because I know you have tons and tons of experience. So really excited about that and maybe just to kick it off what is it that interests you about the world of CRM like how did you get involved in the whole thing how did you get started so initially i wanted to be a data analyst and work towards a data scientist that was my initial career path but when i started looking over there i just like it turned out to be very different like people i used to do analysis for marketing team for sales team doing conversion analysis but an analysis doing some uh, prediction modeling over there and then my work just used to stop over there and then i was like okay uh, why don't we do the same thing okay why just advise them but actually just you roll out those things and roll out those experiments see what really happens after those analysis so i guess like that was sort of a thing that got my attention in crm that it just not data it's some actionable data so when you have some data analysis over there it's actionable and if you go and do some i would say implementation around it some optimization around it that can eventually help you build some meaningful connections with your customers over there so i guess like data turning into insights and then turning into eventually some very meaningful connections that's what fascinates me about crm that's awesome i love that and so obviously now you just started your own retention consultancy so how did you decide to start that and maybe tell us a little bit more about what you do in your consultancy yeah sure So that was one of my part of career planning. I definitely somewhere few years back I had this plan that once I'm done with my 10 years of experience I will be stepping out and doing something of my own just to test That's myself. Awesome. So I wouldn't really say that it was unplanned. It was planned but I guess like the circumstances and situations were like I had to do it anyway so that sure. timing was perfect over there. So that was one of the reason why like uh, why I really went over there. But obviously like uh, when I'm in this business I saw that there was an opportunity so specifically if you talk about this mini region it took a relatively new region people started spending like in 2012 2013 you had a lot of user base now covid came in there was a cannibalization people started moving from uh, offline to online sales so now companies have sufficient amount of data and they want to monetize on that 
But if you go out in the market, you will find people who are willing to consult you on performance marketing, on paid marketing, on SEO and organic marketing. But you will not find companies that are really good in uh, CRM and attention strategies. There are definitely some enterprise-level companies that are mostly catering, I would say, technical part of that. They just help you out in technically implementing a CRM tool. Okay, but there is no one over there who can hold your hand and say, okay, like this is how we need to build journeys. This is how we need to select a tool. This is how we need to optimize customer journeys over there. Why do you think that is? I'm curious to know, like, if they built up the data and they started building that implementation, how come nobody was doing that before? Uh, yep. So that's because the way the company is structured, okay? Those mm-hmm. companies are actually structured around technical users, not business or functional users. So I'm coming from that business background. So I know how things technically work, but how to use them as well. So that is why I would say like that was sort of, I would say, a limitation for these companies that they only had skill set to implement a tool, but no functional user or business user who can actually say that how to monetize on that data. Yeah, which makes it a whole different use case, a whole different understanding of the retention aspect of things as well. So obviously a perfect niche and gap for you to come in and say, I exactly. can't solve, don't worry about it. <laughs> yep. And I guess like it's not just me. I would actually advise others as well. Maybe I guess like it's it's, it's time for taking leap of faith. The market is big enough for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And so, what do you love most about your role, if you could choose? Number one, obviously freedom, for sure. <laughs> I don't want to sound rude, but let's. I don't need to take someone's permission before I want to travel, <laughs> before I want to take a holiday or whatever it is. So yeah, absolutely. it's my work. I work twenty four seven. There is no timing, nothing over there. Although I'm trying to put some discipline in my life, spend some time with my family and everything, but I guess like the freedom is a four season that I really love about my role over there. Number two, now I'm not tied to any industry for a year, two years, three years, four years. I can work okay. for multiple industries at the same time and it's not dull, it's not boring. Third thing that I would say is around the networking opportunities since you're working in multiple industries, multiple companies, you're traveling. So you meet new people, we get new ideas, uh, what's happening here and there. So that's another thing. Fourth thing I would say, yeah, I've been running my own team, let's like see the CRM team per se. But right now you have to do everything on your own. You're into finance, you're into HR, you're into admin. So you're into ta- right now I'm just studying taxation a lot. <laughs> you like the corporate tax and bad and everything. So I guess like that's also very important to build let's like a complete profile uh, for you, not just into one field, but you're venturing not in multiple departments as well. And I guess like uh, one last thing that I would say that I really love about it is like I'm now getting a chance to train the next generation of CRM people. So since I'm working with multiple companies, multiple industries, most of them are very young people who are just entering into the career. So now I'm getting a chance to train more people, not just two or three people or five people previously. Yeah, that's awesome. And also having that long-lasting impact is something that goes further than just working a job and something that you can really be passionate about and really be excited about. So I definitely agree with that whole mission there. But speaking on the topic of CRM and just doing that at scale and kind of doing this in a different approach as you are with your consultancy, how big of a role do you think CRM plays in the world of marketing? Like, what does that mean to you? And how does that position in your mind, do you think? Every business out there in the market, it's for profit. That's the bottom line. No business wants to operate without having any profit over there. Okay, And now CRM is one of those things that affects your bottom line. It affects how profitable you are. It affects everything around there. Okay? And that really matters eventually. Having said that, I think like uh, one more thing that people really need to understand, yes, CRM is no more, I would say, tied to a system. It's an approach. Okay. In the last 20, 25 years, CRM has evolved a lot. Okay. So just seeing that sending out an email within a marketing a CRM node, I would say that's insufficient now. 
you have multiple tools now ecosystem is developed it has matured it's an approach and how do you want to fit different pieces into a puzzle okay that is the same like you can have strategy around it you need five tools for that you bring them together and make something functional and the ultimate objective is what ultimate objective is to affect that bottom line so that companies become profitable and they remain profitable in the long run it's about sustainability as well so you just don't want to be profitable but you want to make sure that there is a certain recurring revenue that is coming every year within a company so over here like uh, you will not continue to spend every time on performance channels or any other thing you need some sort of suitable sustainable strategies that actually comes to CRM yeah i think it's so important that you put it that way of sustainable scalable in a way that's not just a system that you plug and play and just set and forget i think it's very much like you said it's an approach it's a human centered approach where you actually think things through and strategize and iterate as you go and one of my favorite things about this podcast actually is since retention and crm and marketing automation and this and that all these wonderful words there's so many different perspectives and approaches to these things because your perspective is all based on your experience and others have completely different experiences but one of my favorite things is understanding your view on how to build a really great relationship management approach for people or how you go about doing this and so i know that you have the mentality where it's saying there is habit formation before loyalty and that's a process in your mind that you think is a great way to achieve customer retention but tell me more about what habit formation means because obviously there's all these different ways to talk about customer retention and have a proper CRM approach but maybe talk a little bit more about that so we can dig into the whole world of loyalty and building that customer base that is loyal always coming back speaking about the brand becoming ambassadors and the evergreen revenue that you would see from a happy loyal customer base i would say that i want to differentiate between habit formation and loyalty loyalty is an end it's not a means people usually try to use loyalty as a means to drive retention and then they say yeah i'm doing loyalty plan to build loyalty which doesn't make sense okay you have to do something to deliver something okay it's like you do x and then you deliver y it's not that you do x and then you deliver x so yeah. for me both different things and that is why like i personally think and i've been practicing this as well loyalty is something where you actually start rewarding someone if you are a loyal customer yes these are the benefits that you will get okay but there are some prerequisites over there where you need to help the person to reach that level and over there i really talk about this habit formation if you're not forming any habit for a customer okay now what is habit okay habit is something that's like if you have developed a routine or a pattern in activities over there if you don't know what is a habit within my product or within my service offering or whatever or product or service you're offering over there how would you actually say that okay if i continuously focus on this habit formation thing it will ultimately lead to loyalty people push a lot towards loyalty and they miss the middle part so acquire people and they say no let's make them loyal how many of them are loyal yeah. customer no it doesn't happen overnight okay you acquire people you need to activate them you need to make sure that they're building the habit over there they need to come back and use your product okay now every sales is not a habit there could be other actions as well that can help yeah. you build a habit over there okay first of all they need to start becoming used to of you if they are used to of you then you can say now it's time to start rewarding them through my loyalty program over there so i guess like it's all about coming up and identifying those patterns that a customer follows in mm-hmm. building a habit and mostly they are triggered by some sort of a situation or any event or anything like that yeah honestly i really like that because 
I think for business owners, it's hard to think about all these different things that are on their plate from acquisition to retention to this to that. And so sometimes thinking about loyalty and getting customers from acquisition to loyalty can be hard. It can be abstract. But one thing that I really like about what you said is that actually makes it very simple to figure out. Meaning if you can find the habit that they're forming or the habit that you want them to form, it's actually not so hard. And you can be able to find that next immediate thing that you want to be doing to encourage a specific habit, for example. Like even with our game ball clients, we really talk about if you're rewarding them with all these discounts and badges and things and that, it's not about that. It's about the actual experience and what's coming out of that for them and sure. what's what keeps you top of mind when they think of, I don't know, when they're buying their next gift for someone or they're renewing their subscription for something or whatever it may be. And something that I always talk about with my clients like time and time again, I sound like a broken record at this point, is the idea of customer journey mapping. Because the thing is, you have to understand what are they doing along the journey from before they buy, when they buy, right after they buy, when they buy again and again and again until they churn. So I'm sure that this plays a part in your whole idea of habit formation and getting to that loyalty. So what are your recommendations from the consultant point of view? of how businesses can use the customer journey mapping idea to create those really unique experiences. Because I'm sure it's not one size fits all for everybody, but what do you think are the key factors of mapping a customer journey? And maybe even like, how would you go about doing something like that to make sure you're creating that really personalized experience and you're finding that habit formation? I'll answer this question with an example. Uh, yeah. I'm not for a company, but yeah, but I work for one of the companies over here and they had an e-commerce platform where we used to sell products for kids, moms. So when I dig into the customer journey, okay, for me, one very important point came out to be page views. So if you look at a typical e-commerce funnel, so you land on the home page, and then probably you go to any category page, then you go to any product description page where the products are listed in with the details over there. And then you eventually go to checkout over there, all of these things. Okay. What I saw was that people who had fifteen page views within a week they had a higher tendency to purchase versus people who had a, a lower pages, okay? So in traditional view, what you'll just do it, you'll, you'll just focus on bringing the people and then say, okay, why are they not converting? Why are they not converting? But technically, it does not make sense because they will not convert in the same sessions or by just looking at two pages. My data says that within a customer journey, they need to see at least 15 pages. By 15 pages, I mean to say product pages over there. Now, if I know that, in order for this person to make a purchase again and again, they need to see the pages 15 times. Now that triggers multiple action items that I need to take. Number one, how is my abandoned emails working, abandoned campaigns working? Because if they're missing over there, I need to bring them back and they need to do another page view. How is my personalization working on the website? Let's say like uh, if you're browsing a certain shirt, you can have other personalization tools. Let's say like similar products or people who buy this will also buy this or frequently bought together. Okay, or let's say like if someone is buying a blue shirt, so maybe you can say, let's say like, okay, with this blue shirt, maybe this black shoe can go or this uh, white pen can go and all of these things. Okay, the idea is that once you know what the funnel is and how many times a person needs to come, then all your actions should come together and make sure that a person does that activity. All of these actions will result in a transaction eventually. So rather than just being pushy and telling the customer to buy, 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 that will not yeah. work, okay? You know that the data is in front of you, okay? They might need to visit at least 15 pages before they make a purchase. So why are you just sending them a communication that says, why don't you buy now? Why don't you buy now? Here is a 15% or here is a 10% off. The easiest way is that 
just try to increase their time spending on the website show them products that are relevant for them make yeah. it more personalized and then they just keep on browsing over there the more they browse on your website the uh, higher the probability that they will eventually start adding things in their cart and they will eventually buy okay and now if this experience is good eventually this will lead towards habit formation because they'll be like yeah, whenever i go on the website it's so easy i select one product and then they tell me what else should i buy so every time you build around that okay over here let's like just after first purchase if i just drop them an email and say okay like now you are a basic member now you need to make five more purchases in order to become a silver customer or 10 more purchases to become a gold customer no that will not work because mm-hmm. that is ultimately an end it's the result it's not means okay the means is something else it's about habit formation around that and it's almost like a huge study in human behavior at that point because even as you were saying that example It's not just a transactional experience on e-commerce sites these days. It's very much about the site experience and what kind of experience you're having from start to finish. And even like talking to people on the team or the pre-purchase, the post-purchase, all those aspects are so important because even the other day I was shopping for a dress and matching shoes and I just had no idea and I didn't feel like searching 100 different sites for these things. I wasn't actually caring enough to go shopping. I just wanted to find the right dress, find the right shoes and be done with it. But the sites that recommended me like finish off the outfit with this pair of shoes or this that whatever that was the site i bought from because they just gave me the recommendations i didn't have to worry about it i really enjoyed the experience because i honestly did not have the time to think about what shoe i wanted to buy with this dress but i knew i had to buy this outfit and so i really enjoyed the whole experience and when i bought the whole outfit after that they had encouraging things of share this on instagram which even though i wouldn't do it because i'm not actually like doing that i like the idea of it and i like that they were encouraging showing off the outfit or here are some accessories that you could think about with it mm-hmm. or here's how you could wear it seven different ways i love that kind of stuff so you're so right it's about forming that habit and for me as a consumer who doesn't like to spend too much time shopping for dresses and shoes and what not i will likely go back to that store just alone because they gave me good options for things that i bought together or whatever it may be So I'm a prime example of forming a good habit. That's the thing. Really good. As an example of that brand. <laughs> Which is awesome. And so I'm curious to know that when you work with companies like this and you're helping them do this mapping, do this habit formation and trying to figure out where exactly they're trying to get their customer to go, how do you measure the success of that? Because I think some of the general success metrics are things like obviously customer base, revenue growth, month over month subscriptions, but I feel like there's more unique niche factors that you should really be looking at before you get to the big goals. So I'm curious to know your opinion, how do you measure the success of this yeah. habit formation and things like that? Yes, I would actually think of metrics that are beyond transactional in nature or revenue yeah. in nature. But the very first of them is your increase in power users. Yeah. You define power users as someone who are the core users of the platform, maybe they are doing let's say like multiple sessions every day. And let's just take an example of Facebook, probably all of us are power users. most yeah. of us or maybe like their the definition of power user would be very different okay maybe their definition would be like anyone who's browsing on facebook for more than 3 hours a day for them there would be a, maybe i'm just browsing one hour a day i'm not yeah. say power user okay but eventually if you have these people who have formed the habit of coming back to your platform they're comfortable with your platform they're browsing over there they like the experience they know that whatever product they need that you have the best prices they're getting rewards that they really want to get all of these things okay So obviously your your power users will go. Okay now power users they might not purchase today but they will purchase eventually. You're pretty sure that they have a higher propensity to purchase over there. So that's one thing. 
Number two is to share between reselected users and dormant users. So dormant users are someone like who have been inactive on your platform and reselected users are those who are inactive, but they are not active. So you'll see a shift in these percentages. So with the passage of time, your dormant users will start going down because either they'll become active users or they will become restricted users. Yeah. And similarly, the share of reselected users, it will go up because like they don't want to remain inactive anymore. They like coming back to your website. They like coming back and buying from you. So that will also increase. So that's another way of looking at it. Uh, third is like very traditional sort of way, like RFM metrics that we create. And then we have markets within each of them. Uh-huh. Was obviously, there should be a shift in these sales. And then obviously, ultimately, everyone should move towards your loyalty segment because your recency will be better, your frequency will improve, and your monetary value will also improve. So that's something that they need to converge towards loyalty segment over there. And then the last thing is, I think if you're really habitual of something and you are a power user, these people also bring some quality reference. If they really like you, they're fond of you, they come back, they buy from you, like loyalty fam, whatever it is, they will start recommending and they'll be, I would say, the advocates of your brand. So your NPS should improve from these people and I would say your virality coefficient that you use to measure or referral campaigns, that should improve as well. So you'll have more and more signups coming from reference and not just direct signups or organic signups. I couldn't agree with that more because even for myself as a consumer, I think I buy more products as a result of hearing from my friends or someone as a referral just to make sure that there's credibility in what I'm buying because you are seeing tons of different products being thrown at you day in, day out especially through Instagram, especially through TikTok, whatever these platforms might be. But I would say more often than not, when I'm buying a new product, it's because of a referral from a friend or a colleague or something like that. Because the power of word of mouth is quite literally insane. (laughs) It goes so far. And so I definitely agree with that. And I'm also curious to know, so obviously with your background as a data analyst, you seem to really like data and all the different data points and understanding how to work with that. Is there certain technologies or certain innovations that have really helped you in enhancing customer journeys for your customers or things that you're excited about when you're trying to work with your clients on enhancing the customer journey? So my experience, I would say, I've seen this drastic shift. And there was a time, let's say, like when I could just send an email from one system. And in order to send a push notification, I had to go to another system. And then what they were doing on the website or on the app, it was always about switching to a different portal or to a different website, okay? But I think one thing that has really happened in the last few years is that like now we have 360 degree customer view. Yeah. So within one platform, we can see what people are doing, whether they are doing it on app or web. You now have tools that actually help you out in maybe stitching their offline journeys as well. Yeah. So that's one change that I've seen. The second thing that has changed a lot is the data volume and data velocity. So it's not just about very large amount of data sets. But it's also about the speed at which the data is coming. Okay. Uh, for example, it's like data velocity is very important for fintech because prices changes every second. Okay. So you cannot wait for a price to reflect in 10 minutes. And then when you go and check the price of a stock, that would be very different over there. Exactly. Okay. If someone wants to buy something, they want to see it immediately. Okay. They want to purchase immediately over there. That's why I just like most of the tools are actually working on making sure that the data velocity is not compromised if data volume increases over there. That's another thing. The third thing is around the integrations and the ecosystem that it has been built. Traditionally, it was just a couple of tools that were big and they had their own app marketplaces, but it's now a level playing field for everyone. Every tool is mature enough. They do have integrations available. So I really like, like one of my friends always says to me, like, oh, for every work, there is a tool. 
and for every tool there probably is a free version of that <laughs> so don't do anything manually don't do anything on your own okay technology is yes. definitely out there you can always use technology and you'll always find a free version of that technology even in case you want to test i really like that a lot and i want to basically tie this all together with all the insights you had about the space and habit formation and customer retention and the different technology innovation i want to tie it all together by knowing examples of what you think are the most inventive examples or strategies that are done in retention because i'm sure you've seen quite a few as a result of your experiences along with examples i was using duolingo for a while which is an app where you can go and start learning different languages i really like the way they have structured the app and they have gamified it it's a very good experience the communication that i get from them that's awesome one feature that i really love about them is their speaking feature i guess like probably they've borrowed it from snapchat i don't use snapchat as such but yeah <laughs> like it's like uh, people they just took that concept okay like it's not just about sharing your personal selfies as snaps but you can build speaks around your learning journey as well so you say okay like it's my 100 day of learning french it's my 250 day of learning arabic it's my 500 day of learning spanish and like these are continuous so you can create those speaks and everything over there so that's a way it's like you're building some habit around it and then these are the power users and then they're sharing in your network which ultimately attracts quality signups back to your platform so i really like that that's one thing then another example that i would like to give is zomato app which is actually a food delivery app i just love the reviews they are i would say non intrusive they don't bug me they don't spam me but whenever they send an email i can't resist to open them it's so good that's awesome it's i've never seen someone so passionate about email marketing <laughs> yeah i don't know i'll check some maybe and i'll just forward it to you but you definitely need to see it yeah please send me this i'm curious now <laughs> one last thing could be let's like a uh, retention and loyalty might be changing because of web3 space so right now we're in web2 web2 era okay which started back in early 2000 or let's say late 90s early 2000 okay and now we're like 20 years down the lane we have come from a journey where we used to have static website now we have dynamic websites we have payment gateways we have mobile app we have strong social media i don't know what not so we have achieved so much in web 2.0 and now we are in the initial phase of web 3 so i think it's too early to say but definitely the way you retain your customers the way you incentivize them the way you build loyalty plans for these people would definitely change in uh, web 3 spaces I love that. And all extremely different examples which is also very cool. Cuz I can think of the habits that are forming in each and every one of those. That's really awesome and all those different brands. I'm sure one of those brands that or even just in the web3 space or people who are experienced with crypto now and kind of worked in the space, they all can relate to those examples because I think what's important and really well done here is the fact that Everyone listening to the podcast likes the actionable examples. They like the really good analogies or ways to understand how to implement that, and that's really the goal of our podcast. So, thank you also for sharing that. That was really helpful. So, oh, welcome. I will bring it to a close now, but before I bring it to a close, I always do lightning round questions. So, first question of the lightning round is what three skills from marketing should be transferred into people's everyday lives? The first thing is that we should start communicating more if you communicate more that takes you to the second thing you start understanding people and their needs that's a second skill that definitely need to have one then obviously once you understand their needs uh, there is an empathy over there so you start growing your connections naturally so i guess like your yeah, communication understanding needs and growing your network 
are the three skills I think that should be there. That's awesome. I also like that approach because it's very much understanding other people before being understood. And it's very much a nice human-centered approach to think. So definitely agree with you there. And if you could go into any other industry or profession, doesn't matter if you don't actually know how to do it, what would you like to try your hand at? In my school lab, I wanted to study aerodynamics, which is like okay. how objects cut through the air. So that's like if you're constructing a building, okay? So you need to see how well it cuts through the air. If you're building uh, even bridges or flyovers, anything like that, there's yeah. a study behind it, how it cuts. So I would like to be a car designer. That's Ooh. not what I wanted to be. So, and I wanted to study aerodynamics. The second thing, I didn't think about going towards sustainability, nice. carbon footprint. Okay. So it's a very different field, but yeah, I guess like these two things. I Maybe you can combine the two somehow and just have a crazy yeah. sort of. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe a car that is powered by some sort of Web3 technology ah, and then it's sustainable. There we like go. Now we're thinking. <laughs> awesome. Okay. And last but not least, which is my favorite thing is to end on a piece of advice. So is there a piece of marketing or life or boom advice that someone shared with you once that has always stayed with you? There was one advice shared with me six years back. That was in my very first company over in Dubai, in UAE, when I was working for Sierra Group. And a guy over there, his name is Mark Jitin, and he was the uh, senior product manager. So I was one sitting with him, planning everything. And there were some issues and problems over there that we had to sort out related to roadmap and all these things. He told me, like, always be a part of solution, but never the problem. And I've stayed with this advice forever. So obviously, you'll encounter problems throughout your life, okay? But don't just look at the problem side of it. Always be on the part of solving that problem, not creating it uh, more. So yeah, so I will stick to the solution, never to the problem. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. And always a nice reminder. So this is also why I love ending it on a piece of advice because everyone always has just absolute insights to share. But thank you so much again, Ozair, for joining us on the call today. It was lovely to have you and I'm sure... People will be very intrigued by all that you had to share with us today. So thank you so much for joining us. It was lovely to have you. Thank you so much, Lauren, for inviting me and for the Radiant Podcast as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Retain the Customer Retention Podcast is brought to you by Gameball. If you want to turn casual buyers into loyal lifetime customers, make sure to check out the episode description to book a demo with Gameball today. Also, make sure to subscribe to retain the customer retention podcast in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and you never miss an episode. Thanks for joining me. See you next time.